Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to the Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is the Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of the Parking Podcast. With us today is Cameron Geis, president of Clean Streak. How are you doing today, Cameron? I'm doing well, Isaiah. Thanks for having me here today. No, thanks for joining. You do work for uh, for my company. I've seen your, uh, heard a lot of great things about your products. So I'm excited to get you uh, on the podcast. So tell us about uh, Clean Streak. How'd you get involved with Clean Streak? Yeah, so I, I joined Clean Streak about three years ago. Um, my business partner and I are old friends, and for years he'd been telling me about all the neat equipment that he was engineering and how it was going to revolutionize the pressure washing industry. He and I are both engineers by education. And I was a little skeptical at first until I saw his prototypes and how it was really solving you know, real pain points about the pressure washing that um, had just been making life hard and difficult for garage operators forever. And so now three, year la- three years later, we've got a mobile water treatment system and a pump truck that we park outside of garages and an instant reclaim pressure washing machine that we drive around inside that's connected um, to the truck with the hoses. And it's really helping garage operators out a lot. Yeah. And I have so many questions about this unique setup and yeah. the environmental and sustainable benefits of it. But first, help me with the dumb question. So is, is there a difference between pressure washing and power washing? I've heard those two terms. Are they interchangeable? Yeah, yeah, they are. And look, no dumb questions. I mean, a, a big part of what we do is, is all about education and just giving people the information to make good decisions. But yeah, there's no difference between power washing and pressure washing. But it's kind of where like a lot of garage operators pain comes from. We find that there's a lot of different terms and terminology and cleaning methods and types of equipment and cleaning expectations and some lines really start to get blurred. I mean, at the end of the day, we think operators, you know, they think they're getting one thing, but they may actually be getting another, um, which is unfortunate. Or they're just exposed to a lot of environmental risk um, with the EPA and local regulators, and they just don't even know it. So, Yeah, let's talk about that because you said you're, you're your buddy talked about revolutionizing the pressure washing industry. So how does what you guys do uh, with this unique setup differ from you know, what a typical pressure washing vendor would do, or maybe something you would rent at a hardware store to do it yourself? Talk about the benefits of Clean Street. What makes you guys different? Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're pressure washing um, and it, it's an industry, it's a, a service and it's a maintenance item that just has really never been looked at. And it's kind of been the same forever. Uh, and, I mean, the Chinese back in like the 15th century invented high pressure water pumps. So it's old technology. And, and so what we did is we just looked at things like from an engineering perspective and we looked at what the pain points were and, and we came up with, you know, a piece of equipment that does stuff better. So the benefits of our equipment comes down to really three things, speed, quality, and environmental compliance. So a typical off-the-shelf pressure washer that you'd get at Home Depot operates at about five gallons per minute of water. And we run at 25 gallons per minute. So we've just got a higher water flow, which translates into faster cleaning, which obviously gets spaces back to generating revenue quicker. You know, but we don't sacrifice quality, um, again, at the same time. So it's like like a bigger squeegee 
will let you clean a window faster, but you get the same clean, right? Our cleaning machine, we, we keep our nozzles, they're spinning nozzles underneath the head, um, and they're always an inch above the concrete so that there's a consistent deep clean happening. And at the same time, we're using a patented device that instantly reclaims the wastewater so that storm drains are protected. And then the water treatment system we've got too, it's really neat. We custom engineered it and we use a lot of the same filtration methods and devices that municipal water treatment plants use um, on the back of our truck. You know, so we're getting our water so clean that it really comes in black and dark and nasty um, and comes out clear. And we actually, we filter off about 500 pounds of dirt a day off the water, which is pretty incredible. 500 pounds. That's, that's crazy of dirt. Wow. Yeah. We've got a crane on our truck. I mean, it's too much for a person to lift. So we have a crane that lifts up the bag of dirt at the end of every day. Man, that's, and so I know that the Chinese, what invented uh, fireworks, gunpowder, and now pressure washing. Now that, I know. That's right. That's that. <laughs> there you go. So let's talk about best practices. First, I think cities would love using you guys because a lot of them have sustainability or environmental goals, or it's just flat out illegal what some vendors are doing. So they, you know, the, they're not going to pay fees and all that. But before we get into that, maybe let's just talk in general. You know, what, you know, how often should parking garages? power wash their facilities it probably differs by by climate or environment but do you have some best practices you like to reference for yeah listeners? i mean yeah the national parking association is a good trusted resource but they recommend that garages get pressure washed at least annually and the, and the big benefit there and the reason they recommend that is it's all about extending asset life you know some of our customers actually wash twice a year if they're like a class A office building or if they have a lot of high traffic just for appearances sakes. The, the, the asset life is especially important in northern and coastal climates. They really need to get twice a year cleanings because of the salty air and the de-icing chemicals. It can really damage a parking structure. Um, we did a project down in Charleston, South Carolina, and you know, cracks all in the garages and the water started seeping into the rebar. And I think they were really having some structural issues. Um, down there. It was actually interesting when we cleaned the garage, we actually exposed a lot of the damage that they didn't know about. So kind of a silver lining there. But yeah, two of the biggest factors we see in dic uh, dictating cleaning are our budget and traffic in the garage. Yeah. And it's, you know, blows your mind that cities or hospitals or airports, they, uh, a garage costs a lot of money. You know, they're, they're investing multi-million dollars and then they don't budget the pennies to compare to the investment to to keep it maintained, to keep it uh, living long, you know, maintaining that asset life. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Now, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think one of the biggest hangups, you know, you mentioned parking and hospitals that we run up against and why, you know, folks don't spend the money on the maintenance is, you know, the, the spaces being occupied and losing revenue. You know, you think about a hospital and a airport that, you know, critical revenue generation those parking spaces are so i mean that's where the speed comes in so we've actually found some success in helping customers think a little bit outside the box and hey if you know you can do this you know we may just have to rip the band-aid off and do it really quick yeah so that's a good point so you will work with uh work with operators and and do sections at a time and again you guys are doing it so fast um they can get that those spaces opened up quickly to keep that revenue pouring in so that's another Another great tidbit there about Clean Street. What about sustainability? You know, we, we, I mentioned that word a few times, but 
I guess maybe first, let's again, you, you mentioned education. My listeners like to like to learn. So, you know, talk about what's wrong with this water. I mean, obviously we know the answer, but just break it down. The water that's going into the, the drains and into the environment. Talk about why that's such a bad thing. Yeah, it's it's really, really nasty water that we generate when we're cleaning. So um and you're absolutely right about, you know, it kind of runs off into communities, waterways. Um, the biggest thing, the, the biggest story I like to tell is drinking water. So everybody's drinking water comes from somewhere. And um, here in North Carolina, it comes from lakes and rivers. Um, and it's filtered and it's treated, right? And um, the cities have to, you know, pull all the nasty stuff out of the water. And you know, 99% of the time when you walk around um, a paved area or a sidewalk or a street, if you see a grate, you're looking at a storm drain and it drains into the nearest creek or river or waterway without any filtration. And as I mentioned, when we're cleaning, we're using high pressure water to blast all the dirt, grime loose from concrete like a sandblaster would do. And it's just so easy. Everybody thinks to just let it run down into that storm drain because it's right there instead of collecting it. It's just really convenient. And that's the way our industry's done it forever. So imagine dumping swimming pools full of really dirty water into a creek because that's where it'll go straight. A swimming pool, that's about how much water it takes us um, in a shift in a day to clean a garage. I mean, we had this water analyzed by some labs. Um, there's heavy metals, mercury, zinc, ammonia. There's bacteria in it that it consumes oxygen, right? And it consumes so much oxygen that if it gets out into a pond or something like that, it can actually suffocate aquatic life in plants. Mm. So it's like sediment and dirt causes the water to get cloudy. You know, and I mentioned people's drinking water. So the more you have to filter the water from creeks and rivers and streams to create drinking water, I mean, just the more problems municipalities have. In our, in our hometown in Charlotte, there's actually a proposal in front of the city council right now where they're considering raising water fees on residents by something ridiculous like 400% to start covering the increased cost of filtering the water and cleaning up creeks. Even more scary, down in Wilmington, North Carolina, they found in the Cape Fear River there a really high incidence of what's called what they call forever chemicals. There's a specific one, it's called PFAS. And no one really knows if it's good or bad for you. They just know that there are really high levels in it from all the upstream pollution that's occurring. And this chemical is like ingrained onto the H and the, and the O of H2O. And you can't filter it out without basically splitting the water into different atoms and breaking it down. So, I mean, a lot of like really, you know, community um, environmental issues when it, when it comes to this water. So, man, that's, that's scary stuff. I, I just read a book called uh, Silent Spring. It was about like the pesticides and just how we just, didn't know any better. And we just blanketed the stuff all over our communities and all the side effects of it. But same thing with the water, man, that's scary. So what does clean streak do to, you know, how are you guys different? What do you do to com combat this issue? Yeah. So we, we, we reclaim all of our water hundred percent. You know, we've had folks ask us for prices to reclaim or to not reclaim. And I'm just going to give you one price and that'll include reclaim. Um, so instead of letting this polluted water get into the storm drain, we stop it from getting there. Um, so we engineered an instant reclaim cleaning machine that cleans almost six feet wide at a time. Um, as I mentioned, it's got those nozzles underneath that are giving you that 3000 PSI, really deep, consistent, clean 
and we're, we've got a patented device under our cleaning head that generates negative pressure to, it literally lifts up all the dirty water and all the grime that it's picked up. And then we pump that back to our, um, water treatment system. So when we go through a garage, it, it looks kind of like a Zamboni and it leaves behind just this damp, clean path. Mm, so this is the question, kind of like when I recycle batteries or whatever, it's like, that's nice you guys are doing it, but then how do you guys get rid of it? You know, yeah, how that, do you do it safely? Right. Yeah. This is the second, the second part that I think a lot of people get confused about. But remember how I said that, you know, water treatment plants are starting to get overwhelmed with, you know, getting all this polluted drinking water up to standards because they have to filter it more. Yeah. Well, pretty much every city makes it illegal to just dump this dirty water straight into a sanitary sewer, which is a really common practice, you know, like a manhole or a janitor's sink or a clean out in a parking lot. You know, oddly enough, the fines for this type of illegal dumping are higher than stormwater violations, up to $25,000 per day, because the city's really trying to protect that water treatment process. So, again, this water is really polluted and it needs to be professionally filtered before your city wastewater treatment plant will take it. We found when we first got started, when we were before we had our filtration system, it was costing us between 25 and 50 cents a gallon to pay someone to treat this water and legally dispose of it. And so kind of doing the math there, remember we use a swimming pool a day, which is about 10,000 gallons. Um, so, I mean, that translates to an additional 2,500 to $5,000 per day on top of just the cost of pressure wash. I mean, we realized this this was not sustainable, right? The market wasn't really supporting this kind of price, which it kind of translates to five to six cents a square foot. So we built our own water treatment system that we take from garage to garage, and that really lets us, you know, save our customers a lot of cost. Wow. So you guys actually treat it there on site and then it's clean enough where you can just run it down a a sink or a, a drain pipe, just like you that. You got it. Yeah. Wow. So we, we, we've we've with with the all the cities we work in, we go to their water department, and they run us through the ringer, and we apply for an industrial water treatment permit. They come out, they look at our system, they look at our practices. Um, we give them water samples before and after treatment. You know, and then I actually have to sign as the owner of the company a letter saying that I personally will go to jail if, you know, we're in violation of this permit. So, wow. it, you know, yeah, a lot of scrutiny and they take it pretty seriously. You mentioned these fines and illegal in some places to dump this. Is it, is this everywhere? Is this illegal in every state, every city you cannot do this or is it state by state? Hopefully it's everywhere, but I'm not sure exactly the rules and regulations as it pertains to dumping this water. Yeah. So all these rules and regulations, they come from the Clean Water Act of 1972, which Congress passed, right? So this is nationwide. But they, they give the jurisdiction of these rules to the states who then give it down to the municipalities, you know, your city or county. You know, and I mean, there are minor tweaks here and there in every state, but it's mostly administrative things like the amount of fines will vary just a couple hundred dollars or a city will have jurisdiction versus a county. And I'll admit, I mean, some states take more pride in their water quality and have a better control on things um, than others, and they devote more resources in enforcement and education. Um, but it, it's it's pretty neat, actually, because as we've talked to a lot of the regulators, they've they do, they they recognize they're like, look, we don't want to be the police. Like, we'd rather your industry do things the right way and kind of take care of yourselves. Like, we know that having Big Brother watching over your shoulders just not fun. It's no good for anybody, right? 
and I think they're starting to realize that some people just can't be counted on to self police though. And I, I think it's kind of interesting politically, like with the new administration in the white house, you're hearing a lot more talk about regulation and higher fines. And I don't want that to happen. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the customer's going to get involved in lawsuits and fines and things like that. So it just kind of makes sense to do it the right way. But yeah, I mean, illegal kind of in every state. And would you say, I mean, would you guarantee this is still happening in garages all across the country? We're, we're, they're still vendors just pressure washing and not getting rid of the water like they should. Yeah. One, one of my favorite stories, it's a class A office building, high rise downtown Charlotte. We, we asked the, the customer, you know, Hey, what, you know, what's your current vendor do with, with the water? And they say, he said, yeah, you know, they reclaim the water. And we said, all right, great. But what do they do with it after that? And he said, you know, I don't know. He said, they probably just take it across the street and they dump it down the drain somewhere else. And look, it's not on our property. So I kind of don't care. (laughs) I've kind of heard stuff like that. Like, don't, don't worry about Isaiah. Just trust me. It'll get done. And I'm like, no, I am worrying about it. I don't want to, you know, turn a blind, what's the expression, but not, not look the other way. Cause We've got to do this the right way, but yeah, wow. So I know you guys are based in Charlotte and it sounds like you do a lot of this. Your team does it as opposed to renting this. Should only our few listeners from the from Charlotte area uh, reach out to you guys or, or do you, is this something you put on the a show on the road? Do you, do you, will you guys travel outside of Charlotte to do projects? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we travel all the time. I mean, so Charlotte's home. We actually just opened an office in um, in Raleigh, in North Carolina. Got work going on in Wilmington right now, Charleston. Um, I'm actually heading down to Atlanta tomorrow. So yeah, we're 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 growing like crazy, and uh, love to travel. Looking at a big project down in Florida. So yeah, we go all over the place. That's great. And forgive me for being obtuse here, but like, what you know, what should we budget for? a pressure washing company to do it the right way, to, to do it the way you guys are doing? What, what does that look like? Is it kind of a per space, per square foot, per, per level? How, how do you guys come up with a, a good budget? Yeah. So we, my background is actually commercial construction and I was in a, uh, I was an estimator. So pre-construction, you know, developing budgets for, you know, hundred million dollar commercial real estate developments. And, uh, so we actually, we don't go on a square foot basis. We actually put together like a labor estimate. Um, we understand the garage, how long it's going to take us. We look at the layout and site logistics. And how busy it is and when you guys could actually get in there to pressure wash it. Exactly. Yeah. We take all that into account. And so, yeah, we don't come up with a, we don't really have a square foot price. Um, I think that's where people kind of get hung up. I mean- we just are, but are you guys example. like are you guys like double the price of a normal pressure washing company that doesn't do things the right way because you Surpri- guys are doing the right way? Surprisingly, not. So if you just looked at us at face value, we would probably look like we're more expensive. But that's because the vast majority of the other quotes you're getting probably don't comply with the rules, and they're they're putting your you know the customer at a huge legal risk, right? We we actually just want to we want a project recently um, for a university to do nine thousand spaces of structured parking. We were the low bidder. Our price was two hundred and sixty five thousand dollars, and I think the next low bid was something like three hundred and fifty thousand. And then there was one price that was like one point nine million dollars. You know, I think the average of the other ones were right around six hundred thousand. So it wasn't even close. And it was because you know everyone has been doing it 
not legally. I mean, like, I can't imagine another industry where this happens where like, like, I guess it would be like using an unlicensed electrical contractor. Like, let me get, I need to rewire, you know, a commercial office building. I'm going to get three quotes. My uncle Eddie. Yeah. And the lowest bidder, you know, he's like, Hey, I don't have an electrical license, but I'll do it for you, you know, for like a couple hundred dollars less than the other guy, you know? And yeah. I, I don't know. I just can't imagine making that decision. And and it, I'll admit there are no licensing and certification requirements yet. I will say, for for pressure washing a parking garage. I mean, like you can go get certifications from certain organizations, but I mean, I can pay sixty five dollars for an online class and get certified to be a parking garage pressure washer tomorrow. But I don't know if that's something I'd want to take to the bank, right? With the amount of legal risk there is. So I think when it when it comes down to it, yes, we probably do look more expensive, but when you hold everybody's feet to the fire and you do things the right way, you know, we're not as expensive, right? We, we, you asked about square foot prices that we, we saw a price for a job that was at like three cents a square foot. I mean, keep in mind, remember, I told you that it costs about six cents a square foot to haul off all that water and, and to legally dispose of it if you're going to do it that way. I mean, so it's just, there's this disconnect, right? Where it's not a complete scope of work. It's not a legal compliant product. And so I think it's just going to be really interesting over the next couple of years. I think as there's a lot more scrutiny put on this industry from the environmental perspective. And then, I mean, here we come with a solution that solves all these problems. And, you know, I kept mentioning at face value, we look a little bit more expensive. I'm talking like 5% more. I mean, like we've lost jobs by like a hundred dollars before, like a $16,000 project, you know? So I, I can't, you know, at that point, like, I, I mean, I don't know what else I can do. No, you know, no. that's just your decision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like to quote the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of the low price is forgotten. Oh, so do things the right way. That's great. And, and, you know, I know you're probably not going to pack up and drive to Oregon, but if someone from Oregon's listening, like, you know, maybe you guys do consulting. You could help them draft an RFP because they have to put it out for RFP to, you know, the what's what to make sure is in that RFP as far as reclaiming the water, how they're getting rid of the waste. Um, just it's, there's there's so much I, I think to consider when you're doing things the right way. But speaking of which, how can listeners learn more and follow along with what Clean Streak is doing? Yeah, uh, website www.cleanstreak.com. Um, and then follow us on LinkedIn. We really love it there. We'll share educational materials and fun news about the industry. And, you know, everybody loves seeing pictures of our equipment. You know, people just kind of geek out on it. So. I, I think I just saw one. Uh, maybe you'd like something, but it had a guy on, you know, one of those machines, like it cleans the ice. I forget what, what you call that, but it looked yeah. like one of those. It was pretty cool. One, once a week, I get asked by someone like, hey, is that a transformer? You know, it's this, we've got this big <laughs> spaceship looking truck with all these filters and pipes and hoses. Oh, and that's awesome. There's a crane on the top. And, you know, actually we had a couple, a couple of my guys of our uh, pressure washing techs asked me the other day, they were like, Hey, what's a good way to get rid of someone who's hassling me on the street? I was like, Whoa, what are they hassling you about? And they're like, they just want to take pictures of our stuff. And they keep asking me questions about what we're doing. <laughs> and I was like, all right, just politely tell them you need to get back to your, your job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably good advertising though. Yeah. So, And just remember as you, as listeners 
you know, prepare their budgets to think about this. Trust me, the spending a few grand more versus the $25,000 environmental fine per day or whatever, you know, it's, it's, you got to think about that. But uh, www.cleanstreak.com. Man, Cameron, thank you so much. I had a blast. I love learning more about Clean Streak and just educating me on all things power or pressure washing. Thanks, Cameron, for joining the show. Yeah, thanks, Isaiah. Yeah, happy to happy to be here. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker's solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcast. Are you interested in your parking organization becoming APO, Accredited Parking Organization Certified through the International Parking and Mobility Institute? Or perhaps you're interested in one of your green garages becoming ParkSmart Certified through USGBC? Well, the Parking Podcast is here to help. Our Parking Accreditations Consultants Network will ensure you are matched with the best site reviewer or green garage assessor available for a fraction of the price. Learn more at parkingcast.com consulting. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook.